Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. In this podcast, composer Tamar Kali Brown and filmmaker Dream Hampton discuss the genesis of their work with We Hold These Truths, a musical and cinematic triptych setting three iconic poems from Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Langston Hughes, and Claude McKay. We Hold These Truths is available now on LA Opera's digital platform, LA Opera On Now, available at laopera.org. Thank you both for joining us and welcome. Would you please introduce yourselves for our audience? My name is Tamar Holly Brown. I am a performer, vocalist, and composer. My name is Dream Hampton. I'm a filmmaker and writer from the east side of Detroit. Thank you so much for that. Would you please let us know, have you ever worked on an opera before? No, I've been working on some operatic works in a chamber context that I perform myself, but composing for other voices is something new. I've been a fan of opera since I was a child. I had the great fortune of being able to watch some of the greats. New York City Metro uh, Public Television has aired a, a program called Great Performances, where I used to get to see a lot of the performances from the Met after their runs. I've never been involved in creating art around an opera, but I did direct my very first music video um, about 10 years ago, and it was the only one I ever did. And it was for the satisfaction on Sub Pop Records. I know everyone would love to know about the poetry and the poets involved in this work. Can you talk about why you chose them specifically? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this time we are in, in America, some of the conversations that have been going on, a lot of the energy and the voices that were released during the last administration, and a general disconnect, I believe, to what our history um, as a nation is. And was thinking about the summer that George Floyd was murdered. And for a lot of people, it was their first awakening to civil injustice. And um, I was thinking about the civil rights movement dating back to you know, the 1800s, the connection to the prison industrial system today and the abolition of slavery and the 14th Amendment. And I wanted to provide some context and a through line to our present moment. And so that led me down the path of these works. Because in the case of Paul Lawrence Dunbar, he didn't get to live to see the Harlem Renaissance. And, you know, his work was most prominent in the 1800s. But to think that the subjects of these pieces, this poetry being so timely today, it was just uncanny. Langston Hughes's work in I Too Sing America, and then Claude McKay's work, If We Must Die. These are all conversations that are happening presently, and they're not new. And I was thinking about how having a firm understanding of our past as a nation could really provide some insight for some of the things that are going on now. And particularly when people feel rushed 
around the concept of social progress. Tamar Kali was really interested in the historical moment that we're in. She was a little bit frustrated in the way that it gets talked about as a unique moment, not connected to history and not part of continuum. And so as she, I'm, I'm sure that she's thinking about this in a not only post George Floyd landscape, but um, the continued assault on black life and the activism that was happening around it. And so she reached back into the late 19th, early 20th century and found these three poems that if you were lucky enough to have black history when you were a child taught to in school, these were poems that we learned, you know, we learned um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar's work. We learned about Langston Hughes and sometimes we would learn Claude McKay's work. And she took these three poems and she added her own lyrics also to this opera, a piece called Oh Elijah that sits between Langston Hughes, I Too, which usually gets called I Too Sing America. But the name of that poem is I Too. And she um, put her own lyrics, this tribute that she did to Elijah McCain, the violinist um, who was killed by the police in Colorado. He had severe autism and his death was heartbreaking and a crime and really affected Tamar Kali. So she wrote O Elijah in between, um, which appears in, in this opera, in this piece uh, between Langston Hughes's I Too and, and Claude McKay's If We Must Die. And Claude McKay's piece, which ends her suite of music is really radical. You know, it's, if we must die, let it not be like hogs. And it's basically, you know, let us die fighting back. And so it's also a reclamation of the resistance in this country that Black people have been waging against state violence from the very beginning. What was the sonic inspiration behind it? I was definitely wanting to align the music with the time. I was thinking about the American orchestral canon and the contributions of African-Americans to that canon and the tradition of this music, the American orchestral instrumental palette being, you know, the instrumental palette through which jazz was birthed. Thinking about the Black National Anthem and this tradition of these great orchestral works and choral works. And I wanted it to live in that space. But at the same time, definitely maintaining my unique and individual voice as a composer in terms of like some of the melodic structure and the melancholy and the minor chords. You know, trying to put myself in that time. If I were a cohort of Paul Lawrence Dunbar, a composer who sought to set his poetry to music at that time, what might it sound like? What was the visual inspiration? When I approached the piece, when Tamar Kali asked me to direct a film to accompany this opera, I actually turned away from the lyrics from these poems. And I thought of, not of pleasure and joy, but as living, as a kind of resistance. I thought about how beautiful this country is, 
this um, country has always been before it became the United States, this land that belonged to so many nations. And how even when America is its worst, there is comfort and ease and restoration to be found in the land. And that became my inspiration. You know, I imagined what that kind of freedom looked and felt like. And, and I wanted to focus on that. Tamar Kali, how is this piece different from your previous work? Did you approach it differently? The approach isn't different. It always comes from inspiration and an earnest connection to the subject, musing on it. I mean, essentially my process of creating is always the same, it's inspiration. And then um, there's a certain amount of intellectual musing I, I do, which is what I was describing in the when I was talking about putting myself in a certain state of mind, you know? And from there, it's just about the instrumental palette, but there's not really a difference outside of instrumentation. My creative process is the same. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's been like working with each other? Well, I've known Dream for a very long time. As friends, we were talking one day and, you know, she's gotten a lot of acclaim for this really powerful work that she's been doing in the documentary space. And I first knew her working with the narrative feature. And so it occurred to me that this could be a great opportunity for her to flex that muscle again and folks to know about that part of her creative and artistic expression. Pretty much that's how it started. She's extremely capable, strong vision. You know, she's a boss. So from there it was like, okay, I'm gonna share the piece with you. You know, she asked me about what my, uh, you know, where I was coming from in, in developing the piece. I spoke to her about that. And she set out to make a film accompaniment. And what I love about how our work comes together is that as opposed to like a very nail on the head music video approach, she really took it on as an artist. The film is inspired by the music and she created an artistic work that can stand alone on its own. They can come together, they can be separate. And um, it's really a beautiful reflection of her eye, her vision as a filmmaker. I love Tamar Kali. <laughs> um, she has been a friend for a couple of decades now, more than two decades. And I have admired her work um, throughout that time. Um, and I've seen it in many expressions. I've seen Tamar Kali lead punk bands. I've seen um, her lead string ensembles. It's been a joy to watch her um, scoring films. And so when she talked to me about this opportunity to work with the LA Opera, I was first so happy for her. And um, it was a kind of natural conversation. She was just, you know, dealing with deadlines, dealing with COVID, uh, dealing with the personal things that are happening in our lives and our families. And we talked about kind of going to our separate corners and coming back to see what we came up with. And so in that way, there was a lot of freedom. You know, she, I told her, I sketched out the idea for her. I told her the direction I wanted to go into. When I was casting the girls, I would send her pictures of hairstyles to Mark Holly used to 
braid my daughter's hair. She's quite good at it. She's good at almost everything she does. <laughs> and so I would send her kind of stills from the set or again, when we were in the casting stage, uh, pictures of the girls. But at the same time, she'd given me all this freedom to go and create the piece independent of the music. And so when we delivered it to her, she had notes um, and we took those notes and we talked and, and we arrived at where we are now. How does art and song honor those who have paved the way for us this far? I think providing context, because every single person is a synthesis of everything they've seen and heard. So as artists, those sounds, those visuals, they're distilled through our personal unique experience. So, you know, there are shoulders that we're standing on. There's a path that has been paved before. You know, we might have some turns or steps that are different, but we're working from a well of inspiration. We're working from a legacy, what came before us. So I think that that is true, whether you acknowledge it or not. But I think it's very important to acknowledge it, especially when we're living in times where there's a lot of like collective amnesia around what has existed before and um, what, what brings us to each moment. When I think of art and music and the legacy of Black life and living in America and resistance to, to those that would not want to see either of those things happening, Black living and Black life, um, state violence, um, being chief among them. You know, I know that, and I've worked in policy and legislation and all that kinds of activism, but in the end, art is what endures. You know, Tamar Kali, again, looked back at poems. You know, the first poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar is, is written in the 1890s, the last century, the last decade of the 19th century. We're now in the 21st century. You know, Claude McKay's poems was written, you know, in the early part of the 20th century, as was Langston Hughes' poem. Tamar Kali's original piece, Oh, Elijah, is written about Elijah McCain, who just was murdered you know, within the past five years. And so yes, the continuum and yes, the ability of art to speak to these unspeakable tragedies, this relentless assault. And I think that when you look at Black America, yes, our activism, yes, the, the, the amazing contributions we've made to this country in every way, science, technology, literature, and just art, you know, this ability to keep creating. I think about the way that art and music has kept us sane, um, those who are creating it, those who are listening to it. It's a way that we, in Black America, keep each other sane and safe in some ways. What do you hope viewers will take away from this piece? Well, first and foremost, I hope that it sparks some curiosity and that that curiosity leads them down a road of discovery of things they may not have heard of before, things they may not have known before. I hope that they come away with more than they came with. That's my hope for anything that I create and put into the world. I hope that people who engage this work, first of all, are blown away as I was by the scope and the breadth of what Tamar Kali has created with the LA Opera you know, how intentional she was about every musical choice. And, you know, I hope that there's some pleasure 
to be had in watching Black people in nature. They can't ruin everything, right? <laughs> we still have the land, the stolen land, um, that is still a place where we can go to for inspiration and restoration. It's important that we have a grasp on the great Americans that came before us in the arts, you know? Having a wider periphery is only gonna make us better as individuals and make us better as a nation. Watch We Hold These Truths by composer Tamar Kali and filmmaker Dream Hampton on LA Opera's digital platform, LA Opera On Now, available at laopera.org. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Remember to share with your friends on your favorite social media, and we'll see you at the opera. Thank you.